God's peace with each of you. So I want to just take uh, these moments to say a few words to Nancy in this homily and uh, invite all of you to listen in. I just found out that we uh, share uh, being uh, a missionary past, and a child of missionaries, and uh, I remember came back to this country at age 31. Um, my all my ancestors were in this on this continent before the Revolutionary War, but I felt like an immigrant. So that's what happens when you live abroad a long time. So I believe that the office of deacon is the foundational ministry of the church. It's um, there is no other office in the church that has its claim to be so fundamentally tied to the ministry of Jesus. And the Lord shows this on the night that he's betrayed when he takes up the towel and washes their feet. That's a very point that he is trying to make in his diakonia, his service. And uh, I remember this well because that, that, that point, because um, uh, I um, was beginning my own walk toward holy orders in 2001. And I had served uh, from a pastor's family, all folks were in ministry all over the place. And, uh, and so when I was entering the Anglican church, I, you know, I didn't understand why I need to be uh, ordained a deacon. I'd served a pastor of very large churches, and I'd done missionary work, and it's like, you know, I don't need this nonsense kind of thing. I didn't really say it that way. So the bishop says to me, look shocked when I raised the question with him, and he said to me, but uh, how, how can you serve in any kind of ministry if you've never really served as a deacon? So it never thought it never occurred to me before. He said, no one can be a priest or a pope or anything else unless you're a deacon. That's To be a Christian is to be a deacon. So clearly I wasn't understanding something. So I'll tell you what. You take this year and you study everything you can about being a deacon and you ask the Lord to make you a deacon. And if he wants to, you to serve in any other capacity in the church, that's fine. And if not, I think your spiritual health depends on you being okay with that being all right. Just, you'd just be a deacon. So I began a study. And, uh, and as the years have gone by, the truth has become ever more evident to me. My wife in 2004 had a brain aneurysm, and uh, like me, her secular training was in mental health, and so we knew this world, but we didn't think it happens to us, all right? So my wife had a brain aneurysm, and she was 10 days in a coma, had to learn to walk and all those things. And so for the next three months, I spent a long time in hospitals, day and night. When I could, I would 
uh, sleep there. And I began to watch the nurses. And I began to realize the kind of the healing voodoo that nurses have. And that's where I learned what a deacon is. A deacon is to the church what the nurse is to the hospital. One day, a doctor came in. My wife, on top of all other things, got pneumonia. So the pulmonologist came in, and uh, she was still in a coma, and he was talking to her as though she could fully hear. And he said, this is going to be cold. and put it on your chest. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing it for, assuming that she could hear. And suddenly, the nurse touches him on the arm and said, doctor, she's having a secondary stroke. And so he looks and he says, how do you know? And she said, well, I just do. He said, are you certain enough that we should have MRI or CAT scan or whatever it was? And she said, yes, I am. And he said, all right, wheel her out. So they're taking my wife out. And I said, what's that about? He said, nurse magic. He said, wise doctors learn to listen. Later on, I asked the nurse about what there was about that doctor. And she said, He's one of those that gets it. She had something about that inner, just intuitive connection with patient that it, she wasn't just a brain aneurysm patient. She, she was a person, unconscious, yes, but a, a person. And there was something attuned that's very difficult to describe in medical or cognitive terms. So that's when I determined that uh, my analogy that nurses are to hospitals what deacons are to the church. We're in great need of nurses in the church because the church is not well. It is not well because it, it in many cases, is not living out the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly in our country. We're not well because we are intimacy impaired. The leaders of our churches, our pastors, and our bishops, in many cases, have become kind of either walking brains or have lost that intuitive touch. We need reconnected to the Lord and His people. I was... Um, pastoring large church in Phoenix, we had, I don't know, several thousand people. We had several services each weekend. And I tell you that because just to let you know, it was a well-oiled machine. I knew what, what to do and when to do it, mostly because that had already been organized for me. It was Saturday night when that I got a call from a couple that were dear friends of mine. And, uh, the, the wife had just turned 40, and she was having her first child. She said, Dan, come quickly to the hospital. We're going to have our baby. I'm like, I'll be right there. So I went down there, and um, when I got into the room, I knew something was wrong, and they had just gotten the news that the baby was not alive. But the birth was too far along, they could, they would have to just let the birth process go on through. And I was there until about five in the morning 
with them. And my dear friend who just had the baby and, and my friend, her husband, but she was yelling at me like, you explain this to me. What you, you explain this to me. I want some answers. And, um, like I, 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 that's when you feel really left-footed, you know. So at 5 o'clock in the morning, I am driving back home so I can get ready to go into church. I've already got my sermon well prepared. It's, it's ready. It's going to woo and wow everybody. It's, I've been working on it. I'm ready. But when I get up that morning, well, on the way to the house, I'm having a conversation with God. And I'm like, I don't have any answers for this. And I hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord says to me, sometimes I need a prophet to speak to the people on my behalf. And sometimes I need a priest to speak to me on behalf of the people. That's all I heard. So when I got to the church, that's what I told the people. I had my notes all set aside and I broke down. And I wept, and I wept, and I said something, and I don't know what it was, and then I wept, and then I tried to say something else, and then I wept, and I made a mess twice that morning, a sermon. I was shocked after the sermon to go back to the door, shaking people's hands, so many people in tears saying, greatest sermon I ever heard. I was so deeply touched. I'm like, what? That's a mess. I didn't say anything. Uh, not to leave you hanging on the story, finally, they had two wonderful little boys, and they're my dear friends today. And uh, I visited with them not long ago. So, but nothing, of course, took the place of that little girl that was born. Her name was Gabriello. There, I mean, there's a times that we really need to speak clear words, cognitively well-formed, doctrinal, theological talk to the people. That's also missing in our times, actually. It's greatly needed. But we need something else. We need those moments where the soul is touched by the presence of the living God and people walk out of the place saying, I have been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's something that no manner of, uh, of careful planning and execution of service can, can do. I don't want this to go on and on, but I want to tell you one more thing else about this. I think the probably the greatest sociological book, a book on like with sociological insight, and uh, was probably in uh, in the last thirty years was probably Charles Taylor, The Secular Age. And over and over for his seven hundred and fifty pages, or however much it is, he really says one thing: that the North Atlantic cultures, meaning U.S., Canada, and Northern Europe have been in a steady march for several hundred years in the dismissal of the transcendence. I always think when I hear that phrase, I'm hearing the song we hear play, John Lennon's song on Christmas time, 
Imagine all the people living life in peace. Whoa. Well, how do we get there? Well, we can't, we've got to imagine there's no boundaries to the nations. Okay, with this, that, and nothing above us, only sky. And I propose to you that human beings can't live with this. Charles Taylor says in that book that even believers in the North Atlantic countries do not really believe in transcendence. They don't know, they don't really believe that they will have an encounter with the divine. And that's what's turning us to all kinds of liberalism, I mean, of fundamentalisms on the left and the right. It really doesn't matter when the bus is going off the cliff, which side of the bus you're on, the left or the right, it's all going over. You need off the bus. A deacon often encounters people in pain and we want joy to be what awakens us to transcendence, and often it does, but more often it's pain. When we're hurting, when we've gotten that bad news from the doctor, when we've, our soul is shaken with something, is many times, first time in a long time, that a contemporary person realizes they have a soul. And that's when the deacon steps in. The deacon is usually there before anyone else, sometimes before the doctors, and weeps with those who weeps and rejoices with those that rejoice. So here's something, Nancy, in conclusion. Jeremiah hears the word of the Lord saying, I want you to do something for me. Like, well, I can't. I'm just a kid. Yeah, don't say that anymore, Lord says. When I call you, don't say I'm just anything. I'm just a kid. I'm not confident. I'm not holy enough. Don't say that. I mean, I'm the one who made the call, right? This it looks bad on me when you say that you're not, you can't do what I've asked you to do because I asked you to do it, right? And I've made the assessment that you are able to. So don't say that anymore. My words will be in your mouth. And I have found it to be true. What happened on that morning when I wept my way through that mess of a sermon? was what the Lord had spoken to me, talked to me on behalf of the people. And the people's pain were lifted up to the Lord in a holy collect, unspoken collect, and it was received. Not because I gave it, but because I allow it, allowed it to be given rather than stopping it by doing something clever or important. I think I told you this last uh, year when I was here that um, Indianapolis is uh, important to me because in 1917, my grandmother decided we needed a little church in our West Virginia town by the river. And she couldn't find anybody that believed that women could serve in ministry except an African-American pastor here in Indianapolis by the name of Haywood, Bishop Haywood, Pentecostal minister. And he told her that she could serve, and he sent his sermons to her each week, and she read them to the little group. 
for almost 20 years before they sent in a pastor and had a church. And so his picture was hanging in the back of our church. And as a little kid, I'd always see his picture. And he wrote songs that we sang. And he was a good man. And he allowed my grandmother to be an extension of his ministry in a little coal mining town. He never was able to get there. I don't even know if he in those times could have even been allowed in the town. But that didn't stay in the way of him allowing, of him serving the flock through a good deacon. Lord, thank you for calling deacons. Thank you for being a deacon to us. Sometimes our feet are tired on the road of life and you never condemn us for it. You bathe our feet. You're the good shepherd. And you tell us that we ought to wash one another's feet as you have washed our feet. We pray you'll be with Nancy today. We can do the ceremony, but only you can call someone. And only you can equip her with the gifts she needs to be a deacon to your church and to the people of the world. Help her to do that. Speak through her. Give her words she doesn't know she had, words beyond her experience, words beyond her training. Use her hands and her feet to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Speak, my Lord. Speak, my Lord. Speak, and I'll be swift to answer thee. Speak, my Lord, speak, my Lord, speak, and I will answer, Lord, send me.